Strictly Conversational podcast. We have very strict and serious conversations only. I'm your host, Bailey Hunt, and with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Noah DeGeorge. Noah, how are you today? It's been a long day, but I'm... Yeah, and I know it's been a long day. I noticed you didn't take my identity today, so that's fun. Um, Well, yeah, but you took mine. When? Uh, We're wearing the same shirt right now, and I wore this shirt first. They will never know who wore this shirt first. They know now because they trust me. Well, so how was your week? You had um, uh, your band, Stranger James. Yeah. Uh, you guys dropped a single this oh past gosh. week. How do you how do you feel that? This it's out? been so great. Good. It's been so I'm good. So glad. Um, in one weekend, uh, we hit a thousand streams. That's awesome. Uh, which is just way, way, way cool. I mean, I like my expectations. I try to keep them pretty low. Right. You were like hoping for a thousand streams by like. Like know, a full week, like a full week away. Yeah, and it um, happened in like in a, in a day or a two. couple a couple days. So Insane. That's crazy. Um, Insane. there's been a ton of like sharing, a ton of you know just outreach and stuff like that. And there's a couple uh Instagram accounts that are doing fan art now, which is Dude. really cool. Uh, we have fan art coming. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Sweet. Uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah, so make sure you follow Stranger James Music on Instagram, right? It's the handles. Yes, okay, yes. and so just keep and on Twitter uh, and on TikTok. We're gonna be posting a lot of stuff on TikTok actually pretty soon. It's gonna be really weird and very funny. Um, Can't very wait. Out there, yeah. Awesome. So before you know we go any further, I wanted to introduce our our guest for today's episode. Our good friend uh, Samuel Engel is here today to talk to us about. Um, what it means to be a man. Um, it's going to be a very good conversation. Sam, how are you? Hey, friends. Hey, Sam. Thank you for Sam. having me to discuss Carly Rae Jepsen's 2015 album, Emotion. Ha, Jinx pranked you guys. We're, we're, gonna, we're talking shot. about Carly That's Rae Jepsen. That's right. I listened to the podcast. We're talking about Carly Rae Jepsen and Glee completely. I'm just That's kidding. It. Hi, I'm really good. I'm really happy to be here. Good. Glad that you're here. Very happy. I'm glad here. that you're happy to be here. And I'm happy yeah. that you're happy that I'm so happy. To... Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like being in this cramped little warm yeah, closet? Yeah, it's really cozy. Um, Guys, a new actual member of the podcast yeah, has we a, joined. We have another guest. Um, his name is Theodore. Uh, he is Noah's stuffed um, baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. We have our, from our, 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 our life-size baby Yoda doll is joining us, and will be joining us for every future episode. That dude is staring me right into the eyes. I already, I already rocked him a couple hours earlier. Yeah. I was like, guys, can you be quiet? I'm trying to rock yeah, the he's baby. He's had his rest, so yeah. he's not grumpy anymore. Right. So we're happy to be here too. Very um, content. So as we launch into this conversation about what it means to be a man and like how we've kind of grown up contrary to like the traditional masculine viewpoint. What does that even mean, by the way? Um, I think. You, is that a rhetorical question? I mean, it doesn't have to be. Like, right. what does it mean societally, traditionally to like be a man? Sam, we'll start with you and we'll just kind of go around. <laughs> what I think it is for me or what like i think our culture i think our culture how how our culture has defined masculinity yeah let's chat about the difference between masculinity and femininity and yes so it's interesting to me because the idea of being masculine and feminine has actually has absolutely nothing to do with biological sex and yet within western american culture we've explicitly assigned those two terms to uh, somebody's biological genetic makeup, yeah. which is funny to me because it's they're just characteristics of 
a thing. Yeah. So like Spanish, Spanish has masculine and feminine verbs. Right. And with us, we've we've deemed the idea of feminine as being more soft, gentle, empathetic, approachable, nurturing, and masculine to be more dominant, aggressive, uh, more of a leader, um, needing to be on top of yeah. every situation. So that to me is, it's fascinating that it's like somebody would even want to be masculine just yeah. looking at <laughs> I was going to say, you were like defining it and I was like, oh, so femininity means to like be a good person yeah, exactly. uh, and like participate saying. in society yeah, yeah, yeah. in like a really good way. Um, I think for me, I would say the same. Um, and I'm trying, trying to go back in my mind and figure out where um, these stereotypes and these masculine, feminine, shoehorning, where, where it all came from. Like how mm-hmm. is society named these things and how, how have they propelled this narrative into 2020 so I, I keep thinking about that I'm, I'm thinking about where it came from for me um and we'll come back to that but Noah like where where did you kind of first understand what the term masculine meant like um, as a young boy or was it you know it was it was weird for me growing up in a catholic school setting where it's very much like the girls wear dresses and the boys wear slacks and obviously that's the physical appearance yeah um that means but, something though but it does and th- those were you know yeah like leaving school dress codes aside because of course school dress codes are you know always the way that they are right with that kind of thing um but like that's what it was like being in catholic school where um you know the boys i, I remember um leaving like the gym building and leaving like the music building um the boys always had to hold the door open for the girls um there would be like two boys assigned to yeah and it was and it was a weird perspective to be like hey listen like this this is the place of men in society when they should be upstanding and when they should be um when they should be religious when they should be faithful this is what being a man would look like sort of taking care of others right on the other side of the coin though it was very much like oh the women or at least the girls in school have like mass duties where like they are the ones like serving communion right and the ones it's all servant based things yeah it's really weird because you'd think that it would be like well let's you know let's be good to each other in a masculine and feminine way yeah but also let's not abandon our Catholic tradition of maybe ways that are a little bit outdated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side of that, um, my parents were pastors in the Salvation Army sure. and the Salvation Army is not shy about women in ministry. So it's a completely different, mm-hmm. um, it's a completely different perspective, you know, kind of getting on both sides of that. And I, I, I guess would end with saying, it's confusing. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> as you were like talking about, it, I was trying to think about, you know, where it came from for me. And I think it's definitely like it's learned. Um, we're taught as young men to like hold the door open for women. And I went to church camp for like a long time. And uh, it was almost like a game that we had at church camp who could like take up as many girls plates like that was like a game that we had. Yes. Like who could take up as many girls trays. Mm. And it was like, it was like a competitive thing, which is incredibly quote unquote masculine to make things a competition. Um, itself, yeah. Yeah. And I think this narrative is being continued through lots of different things. I mean, um, 
movies and, and, and music, like what it means to be a man. Like what are characters in film that we look at as, as manly? Yeah. I, I think of like um, John McClane from Die Hard. This right. like cop who goes in and beats up the terrorists and comes out on top, like only by his wits because it's manly to like construct things and uh, to and endure pain and endure and... pain and like put things around your feet you don't need even you don't even need shoes you right. just just walk with your bare feet across glass like it's a very manly thing and um i don't know in music it feels like it's like to be aggressive like a lot of the most manly musical artists mm-hmm. are like incredibly aggressive and like overtly sexual and a lot of different ways so i think the narrative has been uh created in a lot of different ways and experiences from our adolescence i think we well we can go down the line and talk about how um we didn't necessarily fit a specific narrative <laughs> growing up <laughs> in um midwestern schools yeah. um sam and i grew up in indiana um mm-hmm. in school systems that were primarily primarily conservative primarily um rural uh and all sorts of things so sam if you want uh, to talk about how <laughs> maybe you didn't add up to the expectation that some people had for you. I don't know if y'all can hear my voice, but uh, (laughs) just judging by my voice alone, yes, I was bullied. Let's make no mistake. (laughs) I am great now. If that was a point of contention. I love my life, and I, because of the bullying, I am now passionate and outspoken about certain things, so I am not the victim. And we love Uh, you. Yeah, yeah, and I love myself, uh, and I love you both as well. Yeah. I well, I'll talk about yeah. The first time I remembered the idea, the idea of masculinity, and then I think that played into toxic and fragile masculinity. Yeah, I just wrote actually for a class that I'm in. I just wrote a creative, uh, creative nonfiction memoir on this situation. I was running in church in the gymnasium, like across the gym, and I think Bailey already knows this story, maybe. But it was I was pulled out into the hall by one of the female Sunday school teachers. And then somehow my mom got flagged over or something and um, I was reprimanded because that quote unquote, that's not how boys should run. And Gross. me at that... seven years old, I not, and this isn't a woe is me type of thing, but I genuinely had no clue what I had done wrong. Right. So at seven years old, obviously I have no, I do not understand the idea of gender roles at this point i am a child Mm -hmm. i am in kindergarten and so i'm running across the gym and i guess i was holding my hands and my arms in a way that was not like the other boys i did not notice doing the t-rex run i guess i was doing maybe yeah and (laughs) i guess i was maybe doing the t-rex run limp limp hands and i and i got pulled into the hallway and i was reprimanded because that's not quote unquote how little boys should run and that was and at seven years old i don't know much but i'm almost certain that's like that's a lot to process that, that yeah that i mean it's it says something that now 15 years later you're still thinking about that moment yeah and yeah. i'm still yeah. thinking it i'm like i still i do not know how i am quote unquote supposed to run <laughs> yeah. as a 22 year old right right that is for lack of a better term that's ridiculous that's absurd yeah well, absolutely the where that comes from even in an example like that i think is like somebody saying Hey, that thing that you think you are, you're not. Right. Or you're, <laughs> or you're not doing what yeah. you think you're supposed to be. That like, thing you naturally did with your body and I is think very wrong. At right. that point in time in your life, you're so defined by what boys should do and what girls should do and fitting in these specific roles. For someone to come up to you and say, hey, biologically what you do, that's wrong. Try to fix that. Like, yeah. how do you even... 
how do you process that as, as you're a young and, boy? Yeah, and you just look at this Sunday school teacher in the eyes like, you're like, what? I'm like, I'm not trying to break the rules, but please, what ha- What did I do? What have yeah, I done? And yeah. then you start panicking and you start freaking out. And as a seven-year-old through however long, that's all you think about mm-hmm. wow. is wanting to make sure that you're doing the right thing, I say with air quotes, because yeah. you also don't know what the wrong thing to do is. I think it's interesting um, as we talk about this more, like for formative experiences from our adolescence and young childhood, like... Um, sports were something that we were all encouraged to try. Um, they would even say like, boys come sign up for soccer or basketball or football or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because I was a boy, I felt like I had to. Um, and now looking back, um, and even in the moment, I, I was not motivated by those things. I was more motivated by the Gatorade I'd get at halftime at soccer games than I was to actually participate. <laughs> Our king. They were like, who Man, wants to go sit down? Yeah. I'd always raise my hand <laughs> because I was like, I freaking want some Gatorade Bailey's right now. Just that sitting on the fire. bench like... Just sipping that, on who brought, whose mom brought I'm the just, orange slices? <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like if I had known that I could like do a like a choral thing before high school or this is one of my biggest regrets of my life was not dancing as a as a kid Mm. like my mom was like do you want to do dance lessons and I was like no girls do that (laughs) like because that's what I was being told and and that's what I was being conditioned to do and that could have helped me so much and I thoroughly regret not learning how to dance as a kid um yeah it's just so interesting what we've pigeonholed as like manly and feminine um, in these weird and strange ways. Um, Noah, do you have any anything else to add to this I, conversation? I was thinking, um, so my mom, uh, when she was a teenager, um, she she even says herself, like, oh, I was a, I was a tomboy growing up, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, she'd wear, like, tank tops and hats and whatever, and, Ooh, and she, yeah. was, she was very strong. She was athletic, um, had a mustache the whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Oh no! <laughs> Full on goatee and beard. Um, no, she was she was strong and athletic and <laughs> um and taller than most other girls. And I think that it's weird. Maybe not weird, but there maybe requires a little bit of deeper looking into when it's like, oh well, you know, it's all right for girls to to be a little bit more masculine because girls can achieve in sports and girls, you know, can do, I guess, manual labor if that's, if that's a typically male thing to do. Right. right? Um, You bring men over to any other side and, and immediately something is wrong with their brain. Right. Yeah. And, Mm. and we want to correct that. We want to fix it. And like, I hate the term be a man and I've always hated it because like, again, what does that even mean? If you start to cry, be a man. Like why, why do you think we're such an, an emotionally and mentally compromised, compromised generation? Because we were told throughout our upbringing, suppress what you feel because it's not manly. It's not fitting of being a man. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense when we are like the mental health aware generation, because mm-hmm. like we've learned that stuff super messed us up. Um, and I'm talking primarily about teachers that I had and uh, pastors at my, my church growing up. Like that was pretty consistent language that we used. Um, I was, I'm, I'm thankful personally to have parents that like really didn't care and not like didn't care in the sense of like they were negligent. They were just like, you are who you are and you care about what you care about. Like mm. I've always 
really cared about fashion because my mom's a fashionable person and my dad is too but like i learned how to dress for my mom right. and i liked how she dressed right. um and i've always wanted to, to to fit into that because i liked how my mom dressed for so long and when i first started wearing like colored jeans i remember i was like in seventh grade and i caught so much crap mm. from that <laughs> like i was just like wearing things that i wanted to wear and boys in my grade were like what are you doing? Like, what are you gay? Which is another part of our conversation about like, why is being gay an insult? And why still is being used by the way. Exactly. Right. Like no, why I hear say... it frequently on this campus. And I say, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's almost like, is like, that's stupid. It equates to that's gay, yeah. Yeah, which is like, just as such as they're like, well, not gay, just stupid. Thing. I'm like, oh, thank goodness! Yeah. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd love that makes to, a big I'd love difference. To, yeah. I'd love to get into the mind of somebody that says that to break down, like, why does How ridiculous you sound? Like, yeah. why does that mean the same thing when you say that you don't mean? Well, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about homosexuality, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Why, why use it? Why, why use the word? Yeah. Um, it's fascinating, Bailey, that you brought up mental health because. A lot of people don't realize the number one cause of death in men in the United Kingdom under 50 is by suicide. Yeah. That's no coincidence. And I love that quote from Queer Eye where I think it's I think it's Tan France where he's like or maybe it's Bobby where he one of them says there's no such thing as uh, as being too feminine, too masculine, whatever. You're just you. And how dare we get lost in history to where we assume that based on someone's biological sex that they come with automatic yeah. God-given talents. Right. I am living proof that just because my biological sex, I am not athletically gifted whatsoever. <laughs> that is okay, but shame on me yeah. as a child for not being. Right. And it's me saying, I know I'm not good at this, so why does everyone expect me to be? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I could speak for, I don't know about Noah. I mean, I don't think any of us in this closet right now are particularly athletically inclined. Uh, listen, oh, listen. What, what are your abilities? In terms so of athletics, you've sir? seen you've seen the movie The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck. I sure have. Right, Catholic basketball leagues. Yeah, <laughs> Catholic basketball. My leagues. favorite basketball leagues, <laughs> mind you. Basketball leagues are a big deal. Yeah, yeah. My, As I learned from Ben Affleck in that film. My school, St. Andrews, uh, our team. Uh, was undefeated every single year. Okay. Thanks to me. Raymond right? Catholic thanks, champs. thanks to me, right? No, no. Say this, this, Hail Mary. This slam dunker <laughs> over here. Like I played this dude's got the hops. I've seen him. <laughs> I played for two years. I made one basket. Dude, nice. Thanks. It was in St. Edward's gym. I was wearing I was wearing like knee-high socks for the first time. Uh, it was from it was from the left key. I remember everything about that. So, day. what does it say that like that moment meant so much to you because you were fulfilling yeah, something right. that you were expected well, to do as a thing. man? That's the thing is not only I mean going back to the way that it was in a Catholic school, mm -hmm. but I mean it's a small Catholic school, right? But that's the one thing they have is basketball, especially in Chicago. That's right. the one thing they have, and it was the one thing that was important not only to all the kids in the grade, um, which. There were no tryouts. Yeah. It was if if you wanted to be on the team you're on. and you were a boy, you're on the team. Just like Glee. <laughs> um, just like Glee. It comes full circle we yet should, again. Yeah. Every, everything <laughs> is just like Glee. Um, but that was like so no tryouts if you're a boy you're on the team. Yeah. And um like the the parents especially, oh my goodness, 
my dad was like, I think that he was an assistant coach for my for my brother's uh, team. <laughs> I would love to see Rob DeGeorge see, coaching basketball. He, he's, just, he's just having a good time, right? Of course, as he but always does. <laughs> I would I would walk into like people like other parents just tearing into my dad. Why he, is my son on the bench? Right. Because, <laughs> because, because for some reason, for some reason, it meant so much to them. And yeah. I mean, I can still yeah. name the people right now that have like that have continued through high school into college and are playing, you know, <laughs> D1 basketball because they started at St. Andrews, where it was like so incredibly important. Yeah. Shout out to Catholic basketball. Yeah. For... My son works harder than every other boy out there. <laughs> yeah. We're leaving. <laughs> Honey, get the go-gurts now. <laughs> no, bring the orange slices. You don't get, you guys don't get, them. Don't and, then get me, them. and then me on the bench, I was like, oh, but I yeah. wanted the orange slices. <laughs> the, thing was, the thing was like, I did, I did have this expectation and it was, it was more because I wanted to get out of a certain group. I had been, yeah. I had been kind of just allocated to, the kids at recess who just sit against the outside building and you know you've got one kid over there twiddling Yu-Gi-Oh cards and then another kid drawing in the dirt with a stick because everybody else is playing two-hand touch football uh in the street yeah. and you just don't get picked you yeah. know like it so because I wanted to get out of that group and I I knew that I wasn't athletically like I wasn't an all-star right right but I didn't. I didn't want to be in that group. I wanted to be with the cool guys. You're I, an all star to us, Mr. DeGeorge. Hey now, and you're his, an all star. And his heart grew three three times bigger that day. You're an all star to us. Um, but that was like I I joined the basketball team to get away from those kids because yeah. they had no interest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I played for two years, and uh, the third year that I would have played. Uh, I heard that all of those kids were also going to join the basketball team because they wanted to all hang out still. Right. Um, granted, I know that none of those kids could figure out how to dribble a ball. And so it was more of the idea of I just wanted to I wanted the other guys to know that I was also a guy, oh, you know, man. with them. And like in a class of 30 people. You know, our, yeah. our graduating class is 30 people. That's all. You are easily isolated in that group. Yeah. Right. As yeah. like, oh, no, that's not, that's not the man because he can't, he, he doesn't play basketball yeah. well. That's just, all of that is just so weird to me that like trying to figure out where this narrative began, that yeah. sports are naturally a masculine thing and things in the arts and service are naturally feminine things. I, yeah. I just don't understand that because historically an ancient times like there was a lot of participation from from both sides in terms of like masculine and feminine so um i i, I don't know it just it really does boggle my mind um i guess not going back to the other side of things when did were there formative experiences for each of you um that you can remember particularly like maybe in high school or junior high where you're like i know i don't fit in and that's okay was there ever that moment yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for me, I would say all throughout elementary and middle and freshman year, um, I really cared about fitting in and I cared what people think. Yeah. And gentlemen, I believe that you have two options in life. I believe that you can change or lower parts of yourself in order to feel, not actually be, but to feel objectively accepted by everybody. Mm-hmm. Or what you can do and what my closest friends now have taught me is you can be fully yourself at all times 
And A, understand that you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But B, realize that the people who love you choose to love you and love you well. Yeah. And so sophomore year, when I said, I have my entire life, I have been gifted with performance and with acting and with musical theater and with, and now, you know, my passions have shifted. But at that time, that was very real. I'm like, this is what I'm good at. I belong on the stage. But I was so... I was so stupidly afraid of what people would think. And the minute I decided, screw it, I am going to pursue what I'm naturally gifted at. There was so much liberation yeah. and there was so much freedom. And sophomore year through senior year, I was so heavily involved within right. uh, my high school theater department. And, you know, the mentorship was amazing. The friends I made, I always wanted. And like, I, I regret, I regret not pursuing that sooner because it's as simple as I cared so deeply about what people thought of me. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's incredible. Um, and I'm sure you were, and I know that you were having met those people. You were so valuable to that department, mm-hmm. and you matter to them still to this day. Um, I think my story is like somewhat similar. Um, my brother is six years older than me. Um, and he's always been a performance based person. He has a wonderful singing voice. He was an actor. Um, in college and I wanted to follow in his footsteps and there was a particular moment um, I think I was in high school where it was no longer my thing that I was copying off of Brayden it just Mm -hmm. became my thing Um, and from then on I I didn't necessarily care I think I was a sophomore in high school um, because I decided to do theater and I decided to do show choir and I decided to do all these things that are particularly unmasculine i think the most masculine thing i did in high school was i was on the swim team for yeah, a year was. yeah he and was. it was the yeah, most was. depressing season of my life <laughs> i just didn't see the sun for a long time and if then you know i lost a lot of weight though. literally yeah like well there was a period under the water for so long <laughs> from 6 a.m till midnight Dude, I, was scuba, I was scuba diving all day i didn't see the sun forever no but like i see jackson <laughs> got so white i'm I would wake up like at 5.30 and go to practice and I'd have like a two a day or like a meet and I just like wouldn't see the sun for like three weeks straight. It was insane. Um, well, it was beautiful, by the way. Yeah. The sun looked great in case you were wondering. <laughs> Shoot, yeah. I knew I missed From out. From someone who saw it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think there's that. Oh, there was that moment where I was like, I'm just so sick and tired of fitting into this narrative because like I want to dress the way that I want to dress and I, I, I like wearing skinny jeans and I like wearing boots and i like all these things that are like traditionally not what i should be wearing um but like i think there's like such a significant liberation when you say i'm going to live my life the way that i want to live it because it makes me the happiest yeah and that does not have anything to do with my sexual preference or my my biology like i don't understand why i should compromise my happiness because someone tells me what being a man should look like and also someone who Oftentimes you do not know and they do not know you. Exactly. Who I have no respect for, no relationship with. Like these aren't like my brothers or or my dad. Like these aren't people that like I've grown a kinship with and love and care for deeply. These are just random guys that think they understand me. Guess what? They never did. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, Noah, did you have a moment like that too? You know, first responding to what you were talking about, you remember when first episode we talked about uh objectivity and subjectivity sure do um and you know we talked about people that you don't know saying i'm trying to help you understand yeah exactly. like they're they're mm. quote unquote trying to help because you can't see it because it's so close to you so someone's stepping in and saying well i can see what you can't yeah that's 
Oh my gosh. That's I mean, whose whose place is that? Also, that was five weeks ago. We've made it five episodes. That's crazy. That's like four more than I thought we'd make it. Can you, can you believe I remembered that far back? Dude, no, I can't. Okay, but good. Congratulations. Well, humbling to witness from this corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my experience, um, it was really I had a weird like I wasn't myself until probably eighth grade. And that was because going to school, um, we wore uniforms. Mm like growing up um and like i didn't have a sense of fashion outside of that i would typically like not change my uniform or just wear you know whatever clothes right, my because mom that, and, and that society it's like conformity more yeah. than anything yeah, yeah. looking just, like part of the collective yeah and there wasn't a reason for me to need to be someone outside of school i was just in i was in elementary school and middle school and we moved to public school um when we left chicago and immediately I was just kind of like, okay, I don't, I need to be a real person now. Yeah. And I remember in freshman year, especially, I started to kind of lash out in my like style, in my fashion. And I remember distinctly like thinking, putting together an outfit and being like, okay, how many accessories can I add until this is like too much? Yeah. And I'd have like wristbands, a necklace, a ring uh you know a flannel a shirt then like a you know a belt chain a cool belt dude did like, you like were you like live in a hot topic those days Brandon yes yuri is that you it's oh me <laughs> into the young ah! <laughs> um no really oh it was gosh, it's him. <laughs> i need to leave start to discover kind of who I wanted to look like, yeah. you know, not who I was, but who I wanted to look like. Mm. And that's um, important. I yeah. Think. And it was weird because I wanted to be like that way out there, you know, kind of eye catching, fashionable, skinny jeans, Converse. I remember my first day of, I think it was, it was either eighth grade or freshman year. Uh, I didn't know that I had like gym class that day or something. And I didn't bring um, a full change of clothes. And I had to wear my red, like bright red, low top Converse yes. with gym shorts Let's and a gym go. shirt. And I was... Coolest guy in school right I there. I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed because it. I just looked... I just thought that I looked so funny. And I knew that... that was. I think that was the bigger thing. I knew that other people... Thought, thought that I looked too. so funny. Yeah. And that's the harder part, in right. my opinion. It's I, like thinking about what other people are thinking about you. Yeah. That's I, the most I, typical piece of this. I don't story. think that I would say that I necessarily pushed all of that away. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was repressed enough to the point where I had to kind of just balance out and normalize. And, you know, it I just turned into somebody that wore, you know, a t shirt with a flannel over it and you know, regular jeans and regular sneakers. Yeah, I think it does take that overcorrection because you're like going so far to one side. So you're conforming to this Catholic culture. You're like fitting into what it means to be a man, you know, tucked in shirt, slacks, whatever. And then you get the taste of freedom and you're like, I want to explore and I want to find out where I fit into all of this. And of course, I think there is always going to be a natural, you know, gesture towards not necessarily the middle, but closer to like what is 
closer to who you are as a person. Right. And Instead of available is, in the men's section at Kohl's. <laughs> That's the most important piece, I think. But like you yeah, go from you go from like conformity to mimicry to yourself, and I think that mm. those three pieces are like really really important because I know that I've had oh, that big brain but before. I don't know what I, a point. I just thought about that because like for the longest time I would watch my oldest brother um, dress, and I wanted to dress just like Jordan. Mm. Um, name dropping people <laughs> left and right. Bit, it's a little bit strange. You just watch him get dressed. <laughs> Should I like have oh binoculars? Oh my gosh! What? <laughs> but he was he was a college student when I was going through, uh, or I guess he had just left college when I was going through junior high. And I was like, he is the coolest guy I know, so I must dress just like him. And then after dressing like Jordan for so long, I was like, well, where do I actually feel seen? Where do I actually feel yeah. expressed through my style? You know, like. And I, yeah, I, that, that just kind of hit me yeah. um, while we were having that conversation. Do you have anything to add? To and that was, that was me with Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now sure. I wear turtlenecks every single Let's day. Let's go. <laughs> no, seriously. Though, I remember and... Justin Timberlake and the, and the boys from Jump 5. If you remember Jump 5. <laughs> I remember watching their Beauty and the Beast music video thinking, oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago with my roommate and I said, that's how I wanted to dress. Like I wanted to look that bad. But no, seriously, when I think about when I think about the idea of, of mimicking and then and then eventually blooming into who you are, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, parts of who I am are very inspired by late nineties, early two thousands fashion because right. that's what right. I wanted yeah. so desperately but could not have. Right. And and like of course it'll always come out in your style. Yeah. I think parts of me will always look like my older brother and parts of you will always look like Brendan Urie. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but in all of that, I think that we feel expressed and we feel seen and there's no part of that that is either masculine nor feminine. It's just Noah Bailey Sam. Yeah. Um, no, I think there's a part of this conversation Aside from style that we've not like super touched on, which is the emotional side mm. of what it means to be a man. And I, I mentioned it briefly. Like, I think men are, are traditionally expected to be more aggressive. So showing any emotion and be through ang- or anger or yeah. impatience or whatever. Um, but like, I think we should be, and I have always been this way. I'm a crier. Um, just like <laughs> you push me the slightest direction towards whatever, and I will just break down. That's just who I am as a person. And like for a long time, I was told that that wasn't natural and men shouldn't do that. And it's just so weird to try to rewire your brain chemistry to be like, no, no, don't cry. You know what that makes you want to do? Cry even harder. <laughs> like, like naturally, I think that I want, instead of suppressing it, I want to release more of myself in that particular way. So like, I don't know. Do you feel similar, similarly about this? I, like, I kind of noticed, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't, I, I didn't show very much emotion at all for a number of reasons, but yeah. it was, um, it was very just, everything was inside. And I remember actually one of the things that kind of, I guess, unlocked that for me was, was actually movies. Okay. And I remember um, probably the first movie that I watched that I cried at as a, you know, as a semi uh, mature person, right? Not like I, not like how I cried when I watched Curious George. Sure. Uh, in theaters, because I did. <laughs> right. But I was like six or whatever, because. But you don't really, did you know, yeah. like, did you know, like, why you had such a reaction to that? Curious George? Yeah. Well, it was sad. I don't know. I, I haven't seen it that was movie. The man in the they, yellow hat. I know, and he left Curious George. I mean, that's 
that's as deep as it goes. The first movie though that I watched where I had a visceral emotional reaction as a mature person was um AI, artificial intelligence. How old were you? Um I was I think I was 15 or 16. Okay. Yeah. Um but that helped like unlock part of you that had been suppressed. And, yeah, and that was like when when did film when was film able to do this to me? Always. Right. And Always. I just never and I just right. never knew until I was confronted with like a depiction of suicide in that movie. Yeah. And that was like heartbreaking. Yeah. Right. Um, that emotional outlet didn't seem available to me because it was it had just been so long. I mean, even when I was in sixth grade, I don't think that I spoke a word most weeks. Yeah. In, in sixth grade. But do you think that like silence and that suppression came from like a desire to fit into a narrative was that part of that i mean you went to catholic school which right. is a lot about conformity mm -hmm. like don't speak out of turn men don't do this men are kind of silent men oh, are like more 100 percent. I, I do remember specifically on picture day in fifth grade um during recess i had gotten pushed over playing a game um and like fell right on my shoulder like bounced hard tore open the shirt that i wore for picture day and like mm gashed my shoulder really bad and like i remember specifically being at the school nurse and like she was like you know she was making comments like you're not crying aren't you are you you know good you're not crying or anything Why and i was like matter? and i was i just had to have a straight face you know while they're pouring hydrogen peroxide on a cut and as a kid that's in like for all intents and purposes that's childbirth yeah as a kid yeah that is the worst thing ever you might as well be losing a limb at that right. point and i yeah. just had to you know stick it out and you know just get a, a slap on the shoulder when it was all done like good job you were a tough guy yeah um sam i guess like bounce, bouncing off of that like was that ever something that you struggled with like um being an emotional person you know when you weren't really supposed to be mm -hmm. quote unquote i think if we're defining masculinity from that aspect even going broader than like dominant aggressive i one time read in this article that some man was like little boys are subconsciously taught just the idea of winners and losers. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, I'm sure you both would agree. I don't remember being explicitly taught this, but I remember thinking to myself, okay, in life there are winners and losers. You have to be an objective winner and whatever right. that looks like. And no joke, I, I have not thought about this until just now. When, when both of you were talking, I was like, wow, wow. Oh, yep. The more I keep thinking about it, the truer it is. I would cry a lot as a child, but I would never do it at school and i would always even on the bus i would hold it mm. and the minute my feet got off that bus and went inside i would sob because you were because you were losing yes i would hold it in all day long mm -hmm. so like if somebody had hurt me if i had been physically hurt if i'd been emotionally hurt and now I'm, I'm thinking of every instance that i cried and i remember why i cried and every single time i somehow found a way to hold it the entire day which surprise surprise is not healthy no yeah right. and think about all the all the people that have done that their whole lives and still think that's normal yeah. um i guess my next question to the both of you and i don't i don't know the answer to this how do we combat this perspective and how do we moving forward as men who know that it's okay to cry and okay to be stylish or show your style in whatever way and to do the things that you want to do like how do we combat the perspective of like quote-unquote masculinity which mm -hmm. we learn as fragile masculinity and toxic masculinity that's covering up so much yeah. so what um, i mean i i wanted to I, like i had this quote um kind of as my motto once i left catholic school 
and it's the wrong way to perceive this. Yeah. Um. So before like answering that, is this the Frank Sinatra I, thing? It is. Mm-hmm. I've no, told you about this before. You sure have. And it was it was based a lot on some relationships that I had had, um, and some people that had hurt me, right. both friends and exes. And the Frank Sinatra quote, um, is something a- akin to, uh, the best revenge is ma- massive success. Well. And showing everybody that you, that you're cooler than them, right? Showing everybody that you're cooler than them, despite all the bad things they say about you. And man, I tried so hard right. just to show people that I was doing better than them. And there's no easy way to do that without straining yourself and telling yourself more often than not that you're not doing good enough and you're still losing. You're yeah. not winning yet. Right. Which is like just so horrible yeah right that comes back to this perspective of like there are always winners there were always losers for little boys like if you got picked last on like a dodgeball team during gym class like you were the worst and therefore you were the least manly yes um dodgeball yeah i mean to this day whole another topic yeah we we need to get rid of dodgeball and i'll argue anyone on that yeah i mean join us next time when we talk about dodgeball uh, eradicating dodgeball get rid of dodgeball which is on the album cover of glee um but yeah i think that's totally valid but i guess going back into that conversation of how do we fight this perspective Mm -hmm. like what is what is what do you think is the the answer is i I would be hesitant to say this because it would sound like narcissism, but these are not my words. This is an old boss of mine. He once said to me, he was like, Sam, you are, and he was one of the first people to say this to me. He said, you are very much a man and you are what it, you are, you are a healthy definition of what it means to be a true man. And he said, that upsets a lot of people and that shakes a lot of people up and then a lot of people up. And then he leaned into me and he said, so I need you to do it a little bit louder. Mm -hmm. And those, and and he left it as broad as that. And for what I'm translating that as for me, it's, I like even like tactile things. I have learned that there's something so intimate and vulnerable about breaking bread and sharing a meal with your brothers Yeah. with, you know, going for a drive just five minutes downtown and going and, and getting, and, and getting Mexican food together with, with a, with a friend of yours yeah. and just yeah. talking about your lives and, you know, the intimacy of a meal or just not asking people, hey, happy, like, let, first of all, telling your brothers, hey, happy to see you. Yeah. Also, what are you learning? Or give me three adjectives that are describing your day. Creating spaces where you know that you are being vulnerable, but you're opening up those spaces for them to also be vulnerable with you as well. Sure. It's so important. Yeah. yeah so community is a big yeah. way to fight it and to welcome people to share how they feel, to, particularly if you are a man to other men. Uh, I know this is a men centric episode, but we are three guys and I don't really want to speak into a female narrative to like speak their story for them. That doesn't feel right. Um, but like interacting with your friends and just like, there's something you're right powerful about breaking bread with someone about mm-hmm. sharing a meal. Like, I don't know what it is, but we let down our guard when we're like, yeah. we're consuming food. It's just the way that it is. So that's great. Opening up a community full of vulnerability and openness and just engaging people in questions. Noah, do you have um, any ideas? Well, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's strange knowing for me, at least I, I'm not going to brag, but I'm friends with a lot of people. Okay. This dude's got a lot of friends. I got a lot of friends. Drowning, drowning in them, actually. He's turning he, has, people... he has fan art now. Dude, dude's turning people away. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, <laughs> list is too long. Yeah. Um, but it, it's weird knowing who I can and who I can't send a text to just, you know, at 10 o'clock PM 
saying that I miss them. Yeah. Like I know both of you at least. Yeah. Like when I was home over uh, winter break and during uh, the pandemic, you know, I frequently, you know, wanted to talk to both of you guys. And even if it was just to say, I'm really missing you right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, people like you guys, people like Jake, um, there are people like that in everybody's lives. But then on the other side, I know that there are people that if I were to text them and say, Hey, I really miss you right yeah. now. They'd, they'd, they would be, be like, so weird for them. Right. Yeah. They'd be like, that's pretty weird. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And I, I, I understand. And I want to affirm people who are listening to this, who are not really on board with a lot that we're saying. Yeah. I understand that this is a lot. So my, my challenge to your male listeners is a challenge that I think is super, super reachable. That is just to let the men in your life know that you love them and that you care about them. I want us to normalize that a lot more. That's something that I challenge myself with. Even men that I'm not the bestest of friends with, yeah. but men that have made some type of difference in my life to where I've had a good, healthy conversation with them, yeah. looking at them in the eyes, in passing even, and saying, hey, I appreciate you, or hey, I'm really happy to see you, or if it's appropriate, saying, hey, man, I really love you. Yeah, and, Saying that, we you know, need to normalize that more. That goes a long, long way, especially for someone who doesn't feel loved or feel seen yeah. or feel like they have to suppress the emotion of love. Mm-hmm. Like, Because I think you're, you're showing them that you love them by your actions, but also you're affirming that love. Mm-hmm. There's there's a Bible verse. I'm, I'm trying to think about what it is. I've been Googling it as you've been talking. And like, there's a verse that essentially says, like, let them know that you're different. Um, by how you act and it's reflective of who you serve Mm -hmm. and i feel like the best example of like a not traditionally masculine man is jesus like um you know engaging women in dialogue telling people that he loved them washing people's feet being a servant these are things that are traditionally not masculine things and i think by not being a toxically masculine man you're being reflective of your father in heaven i mean that's just that's just part of the conversation Mm -hmm. that i think that I felt compelled to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's great, guys. I don't know if you have anything else to share about this conversation. Sam, just bring community and affirming people around you, especially the men in your life. And Noah, like, hey, man, I miss you and I love you and affirming that love. Um, yeah, I think it means a lot. Both if if you think, I challenge myself with this. I want to challenge your listeners with this. Yeah. If you see a man in your life making an obvious difference for the other men around him, I beg of you to let him know. Yeah. Even if, again, even if you're not close friends with him, please let him know that you see his leadership and you see his approachability and you see that he is creating safe spaces. Please affirm him in that because you might be the only man in his life who is affirming him. Yeah. In that. Yeah. 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 I think that's totally, totally true. I, I also just kind of being of this perspective, I think the same goes for um, the same goes for intimate relationships. Yeah. Um, and being around people that are in intimate relationships or serious relationships and being in a serious relationship myself, you know, being told that you're, you know, being told that you're being a good boyfriend yeah. is, is, I mean, depending on who you're with, obviously, I mean, maybe it doesn't happen that often. Um, and hearing that though, is something that, I mean, that's a whole other that's a whole other fruit bowl to open up yeah. and try to describe and define. Um, but some, you know, guys, I would, I would say that most uh, guys are treated as, you know, if they do or say the wrong thing in a relationship, um, then 
their credibility, their masculinity is kind of on the line yeah. because yeah. there's so much at stake being a man who is in an intimate setting with a woman or another man and like those those things being at stake make it so much more important to say hey i'm seeing how you are loving this person and you're doing it intimately well. and you're doing it yeah. well yes. you're setting a good example not only for your future family but you're setting a good example for other people that are close to you yeah absolutely absolutely so that really concludes our conversation about masculinity and what it means to be a man and what it means to us and how we've defied that narrative and conformed to that narrative in our journey. So thank you guys so much for having this conversation. It's always, always good to, to talk. Um, so next, the next segment of our show, what have we been reading or watching or listening to? There's one thing that we can talk about that we all shared together on different nights, different experiences. We saw Godspell this week, Yes, a local production of Godspell, um, which is a show that I've seen I've seen done many times. <laughs> um, and I don't know, let's, if you guys want to talk about that just, just briefly, cause I know we're going over time a little bit, but um, I loved it. Yeah. Noah loved it. I can say something, but I tell to everybody, I said, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, just objectively, yeah, please go see Godspell because this musical, no matter who you are, takes everything you, every confidence you think you have in your religion and in your faith and really slaps you across the face in yeah. a very healthy way possible. I've seen this production four times now or five. Yeah. I have yet to not cry. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a very affecting piece. And not just because like from a Christian concept, I, I, our context, I think it's impacting for a different reason. But if you're just coming from like a, a secular perspective, like what it means to love people well and invest in community and to follow someone or follow something mm -hmm. uh, and subscribe to a belief system and then have that taken away from you. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's just really, really powerful. Uh, and to see people play, I, if, particular was really liberating for me i've not um seen a live production of theater since i was in a show in february so um it was incredible to see something performed live um so we saw that at taylor university which is a, a university close by so we commend our brothers and sisters in the arts yeah you Yay, guys you guys did wonderfully job, guys uh, we're so artists support artists yeah yeah and we always want, want to try to do that so that's kind of what we saw this week, Noah, did you have anything else to add? Um, I recently listened through the Lizzie McAlpine album. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Dude. It's really good stuff. Bangers left and right. Absolutely. Yeah, that album really wrecked me. I listened to it this week, too. Um, Sam, anything that you've been watching or listening to? I can recommend an author. I just ordered yeah. three books by one of my favorite authors. His name is Andre Ackerman. He is a phenomenal writer. He's so descriptive and so poetic. And if you're a romantic or if you're an Enneagram 4 and you're looking for <laughs> a great don't. author to read, uh, look up some books by Andre Ackerman. He is phenomenal. He wrote uh, the novel Call Me By Your Name, mm -hmm. which the film is based on. So yep. if you've seen the film um, and you enjoyed it and like the poeticism and the beauty of that movie, uh, check out his work. Okay, so now we're going to close. Um, All right. A special shout out to the wonderful Brady Bolden for writing and composing our wonderful theme. I love Brady. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we all love Brady so much. I can't wait to have him on the show hopefully one day. Again, I'm your host, Bailey Hunt, and you can find me at BaileyJames1250 on Instagram and BaileyJHunt on Twitter. I'm your co-host, Noah DeGeorge. As always, you can find me at Noah underscore DeGorgeous, both on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow our podcast at Strictly Conversational Podcast on Instagram. Sam, do you want to plug anything at all? Yeah, I guess you can. Let's strike up a conversation. You don't need to follow me. Just strike up a conversation at Samuel James Ingle on Instagram. Yes, never be afraid to talk to someone and engage in a conversation. Love discourse. Yes, that means a lot to everybody. 
We actually don't really know what our next episode's going to be. Ooh la la. Uh, so we are in the middle of brainstorming that, looking through suggestions that you guys had submitted to us a long time ago. And also some yeah, ideas more, that we've had. Yeah. Actually, I- I'm going to put a poll or something on Instagram this week. And we're going to ask for more suggestions because we are figuring out what to do next because, you know, show keeps going on. Stop suggesting Glee, you guys. Yes, guys. Please. We're not going to do a no Glee, more Glee rewatch podcast. We're not doing that. <laughs> we already recorded that episode, but we can't release it. It's too powerful. It's too, it, it's the power Break the of internet. <laughs> Glee breaks the internet. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, before our next episode. Um, be good to one another. Don't take yourselves too seriously and don't forget to wear a mask. Thanks, Sam, again for joining Thank us. You. Thank you for having me. Love you guys. And we'll see you next time.